Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Have you ever felt bogged down by the pressures of this world? Have you ever caved to what the world tells you to do? In today's update, Pastor J.D. wants you to know that you need to remember the promise of eternal life through Jesus. Seek after Him and claim your stake in heaven. Invest in eternity through Jesus. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 28, 2023. Today, uh, I've titled the sermon, Why Loving the World Won't End Well for You. The Apostle John by the Holy Spirit, hits on two matters of profound prophetic importance concerning the last hour, the last hour. First, he addresses the deadly dangers of Christians loving the world and the things of the world, which is what we're going to look at today. Then second, He explains how we can know it's the last hour by virtue of the coming of the Antichrist in addition to an Antichrist spirit. I chose this title for the Prophecy Update. You ready for it? Unsubscribe, unfollow, and unfriend the world. Okay? Let's just close in prayer. We'll go home and... And we'll do that. This for several reasons, chief of which is the world is not our friend, nor is the world our home. And if you haven't noticed, we as believers in and followers of Jesus have long overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home. Not only is the world not our friend, nor our home, truth be made known, the world does not love you. In fact, the world hates you. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. John's Gospel, chapter 17. This is actually the Lord's Prayer. I know that we affectionately refer to the Lord's Prayer as what Jesus taught the disciples to pray. That's really technically our prayer. 
But in John 17, we have the Lord's Prayer. He's praying for us. And listen to what he says in this prayer, beginning in verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they, speaking of us, may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Well, I, I would be grossly remiss if I didn't read a verse in James. I don't want to. And actually, you know this verse, and you don't want me to, but I have to. James 4.4, 4. you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. you got to love James. I mean, he just tells it like it is. And he's right. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God's. And it goes both ways. Conversely, if you're a friend of God, then you're an enemy of the world. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 is our text today. I'm not going to expound on it, but I do want to reference it. John writes, by the Spirit, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, lusts of the flesh, the lusts of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Okay, why am I starting out this way? Because there's a powerful prophetic principle that's here, not so easily seen at first read, and if you'll allow me to, I'll explain. I'm going to frame it in a question. If the world isn't my friend, and it's not, and the world hates me, and it does, then why do I still send a friend request to the world again? Here's a, another part to that question. Wouldn't it stand to reason that the evil in the world 
and the hatred from the world would have the much needed effect of my unfriending of the world. I think of the classic and timeless hymns of old, like, Take the World, But Give Me Jesus, by Fanny Crosby. The words so apropos, Take the World, But Give Me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but His love abides forever through eternal years the same. Another hymn so timeless and glorious is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus by Helen Lemmel. The chorus so marvelous. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I realize I'm waxing somewhat nostalgic today. (laughs) But I do so only to echo words from those who long for their home in heaven while here on earth. Do you realize that there's a crown of righteousness for those who not only have finished the race, but also for those of us that love and long for Christ's appearing in the rapture? Of course, I'm referring to the Apostle Paul in his parting words to Timothy, knowing his time in this world was coming to an end, Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He writes, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Sadly, many today are too tethered to this world and the things of this world which in turn has severed their longing for heaven. Conversely, it's only those who have severed their attachments and attractions to this world that are instead tethered to heaven. This one or the other. I suppose the question becomes one of how do we sever and tether, as it were, in the sense of how do we untether ourselves from this world and the things of this world which are severing us from the things of heaven? And for that answer we need look no further than to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, you know this well. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's why, verse 21. Listen very carefully. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Notice he doesn't say it the other way around. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. No. Where's your heart? Well, wherever my treasure is, that's where my heart is. Well, then that means that if your treasure is tethered to earth, then that's where your heart is, because so too will your heart be tethered to this world. But if you've laid up for yourselves treasures in heaven, then that's where your heart is going to be. So we've severed that which tethers us to this world and the things of this world, because our treasure is up there, not down here. Here's where I'm going with this. Unless and until we accept the fact that the world is a bad investment, we won't transfer our investments into eternity. The problem is, and maybe the explanation is, that many still hold out hope for this world to turn around, which is why they're keeping their investments down here. Their hearts are still in this world, vis-a-vis their hope for this world. Thus what they've treasured has tethered them to this world. Let me hasten to say that this is not to say that those who are building their careers, their houses, their families, or even furthering their education are living for this world or love this world. I think this is very unfortunate. I think we do err greatly. Many have bought into this notion that what we do here on earth will be inconsequential in heaven. That is not true. Here's what that sounds like, and perhaps you've heard it maybe even said it. Well, I'm not in full-time ministry. That is a misnomer. There's no such thing as full-time ministry, part-time ministry. It's lifetime ministry. Well, easy for you to say, Pastor. You're a pastor. I'm not a pastor, therefore I must just be laying up for myself treasures here on earth. May I share with you a couple of scriptures that speak to how one's occupation on earth matters in heaven? Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart has working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know, you know, that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That job, 
that you're in, that God has placed you in. You're working for Him. You're serving Him. You're going to be rewarded by Him. Yeah, but I'm not a pastor. Can I just say this in love? No, I'm not going to say it. I think you already know what I was going to say, and I'm not going to say it because I don't think it would please the Lord. In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 23, we have what's affectionately referred to as the parable of the talents. This parable is supremely about the kingdom of heaven being likened to a master who rewards his faithful servants when he returns. And when he does, listen to what he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Wait, what? Uh, Is Jesus saying and teaching by way of this parable that our reward in heaven will be predicated on what we did here on earth? Yes. Now, I'm keenly aware, again, one might argue that their rewards were for what they did for the kingdom of heaven in the sacred and not the secular. That's another misnomer. Regrettably, we have delineated between the sacred and the secular. That's not in here. I don't see that distinction in here. Do you? There is no division between the secular and the sacred. That has been manufactured by man, not the Lord. And it's created a a chasm between the clergy and the laity. Hang in there with me. This is wrong, and for no less than two reasons. The first of which is that doing so does not comport with the Genesis account of work on earth being blessed before the fall. Do you realize that? What do you you mean? Oh, Before sin entered the world, work was a blessing. I know this is foreign to us in our day, because now the world has fallen, and so too is our work in a fallen world. But do you realize that before the fall, work was blessed? God commissioned and called and commanded them to work. That's the first reason. Second, and I want you to hear me out on this, please. I would just ask that you kindly listen to what I'm about to say. And I want to frame it in another question. How do you know that God didn't uniquely position you and gift you for that line of work that you're in, to reach people that would not otherwise be reached. 
Moreover, how do you know that God didn't also uniquely position you and gift you for that line of work here on earth to prepare and perfect you for heaven? What if I told you that your work in heaven will have a direct correlation to your work on earth? God did not create us just for time down here on earth. Rather, He created us for eternity with Him up there in heaven. And like Adam and Eve, whose work was to steward God's creation on earth, so too will our work be to steward God's creation in heaven. Does that jam in your gears? I'm sorry, crashing your hard drive? Here's the truth. God created us to work on earth, which is why we will have work to do in heaven. Now I know what you're thinking, because again, I can read minds. (laughs) That sounds very unappealing, pastor, with all due respect. I do not like my job. Well, your job in heaven will be perfectly fulfilling no matter your occupation. Well, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a physician. There's not going to be any sick people in heaven. I'm out of a job. Well, welcome to my world. I'm a pastor. There won't be any need for, I'm out of a job too. I'm okay with that, just so you know. So, pastor, please, can you just clear this up for me? Because I'm really kind of struggling with this idea of I'm going to be working in heaven. First of all, uh, that doesn't sound like heaven. That sounds like the other place. It's not. The work that we're going to do for all eternity will be uniquely suited and fitted to us. I'm really excited to see what God's going to, you know, assign me. Actually, I I shouldn't be that excited because pastors are judged by a stricter standard. He might say, here, just uh, stand over there for now. We'll figure something out for you. (laughs) I think of young people who are just starting out in life, right? And here we are. Those of you that are close in proximity to my age, and we're like, Lord, come quickly. Oh, Maranatha. They're like, no. I want to get my degree. I want to start my business. I want to start my family. I want to live my life. (laughs) Why bother then? And this is another misnomer. Boy, we got a lot of misnomers today that we need to clear up, don't we? The misnomer is, is that, hey, what you do down here, it doesn't matter. The Lord's coming back. Just, just stop doing it. Just, you don't need to go to, no, yes, you do. Why? We're so glad you joined us for this prophecy update on In Spirit and Truth. Do the things you hear about on this program cause you to feel unsettled? Perhaps there are too many things coming into play that make you stop and wonder if you're truly living in the end times. 
If that's the case, we hope that through these updates, you are reminded of God's faithfulness through His Word and that His promises will be fulfilled. This can be a benefit to you. Being around other believers can give you support regarding these things that are happening around you. If you're in the area and haven't found a church home yet, we invite you to come visit us and get to know the heart behind this ministry. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. If you'd like more information on joining us or for additional resources, go to jdfarag.org and scroll to the bottom of the page. That's J-D-F-A-R-A-G dot O-R-G. There, you'll find a Calvary link that will take you to the church's website. While you're at our website, be sure to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. Another interesting point of reference is a tab that says ABCs. This is useful for anyone seeking and wanting to find out more about Jesus and His love for you as an individual. That's all available at our website. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor JD for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.